Hey, welcome back to Han Talks First. If you're new here, we're a Star Wars podcast. I'm Han, the captain of this show, and today is a special episode. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. It's about attachments, and this episode stems from the Book of Boba Fett, the episode where Luke gave Grogu the ultimatum, the lightsaber or the chainmail. I realize the episode has been out for a while now, and it almost feels like a missed opportunity to talk about it, but this topic can lead into so many other discussions in Star Wars, and I was waiting for the right time and the right people. Today, I am joined joined by a panel of Star Wars content creators and fans to talk about attachments in Star Wars. Feel free to check out their links down in the description below and leave a comment on what you think about our discussion today. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on attachments in Star Wars with my panel of guests. Enjoy. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. All right, everybody. Like I said, we have some guests joining us today. Some of them has been here before on Han Talks First, and the other is brand new to the show. But you've seen him in the comments and the chats before, and we used to talk online all the time back when I was on Twitter. But uh, first, Darth Chaco is back. How you doing, buddy? Um, I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. Oh, you know, Obi Wan just just wrapped, and we're riding high until Andor. Um, so yeah, it's a good time to be in the fandom. And if you guys want to check out Darth Chaco's YouTube podcast it's the high ground and i was just on his show like two weeks ago and we had a great uh discussion with uh, some other of his friends too he makes great content especially on tiktok lots of reactions and uh, very thought-provoking things so go i'll put links in the comment descriptions for the podcast listeners and youtube viewers so check him out and our other guest is joth josh aka sith care bear one of my favorite friends that I've met ever since I started doing this this podcast game. So, Josh, welcome to Han Talks First for the first time on air. How are you, my friend? I'm excellent and very happy to be here. Thank you. And so you, dream, have, yeah, so you don't have actually any content creation out there, but where can people find you and interact with you? Uh, I'm out on the Twitter sphere um, at Sith Care Bear. And uh, I'm on Instagram, but I don't really use it a whole lot other than just messaging people and occasionally posting a picture here and there. But uh, I tend to stalk people's chats and live streams and podcasts. So I pop up here and there on all different types of things. So um, I've just recently done some recording with Scarif Scuttlebutt and um, I'm doing a weekly show right now with uh, Tim's talk um, about uh, the boys um, and uh, I've do a morning stream on Sundays with uh, Salacious Rum building Legos. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm out there. That's, I just... love Salacious. <laughs> oh yeah, just gotta He's find good time. So That's we just might the have name, people... Salacious Rum. Uh, I'm, I will oh, follow yeah. them immediately now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's the best. He's from the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, wants you to give him a call, man. He told me. I've so. I've been trying, but the time zones. Trying to line up a yeah. schedule is so difficult. So we might have some other people join us a little bit later in this discussion. We'll see what happens. Uh, we had a scheduling conflict. I think I announced a week or two ago I was going to have a panel of people, a large panel. So, you know, scheduling issues. So for the listeners, we might have someone jump in a little later. But just uh, we're still going to have a great conversation nonetheless. And today's episode is all on attachments, the good, the bad, Jedi versus Sith, 
we'll get into some Obi-Wan, some Book of Boba Fett, and all over the Star Wars galaxy. But this conversation stems from that episode of the Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Episode 6, where Luke gave Grogu an ultimatum. You can either take the chainmail, the little piece of armor, and if you do that, you can go back with your, your father figure, the Mandalorian. Or you could take this lightsaber, stay with me, and I'll train you. And it was a very interesting moment, something that stuck with me. And I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while because I think it opens a door to a lot of other great discussion we can have about attachments in Star Wars. And I want to start off with a quote from Dave Filoni about this particular scene from the Book of Boba Fett. And what Dave says is... I quote, I don't think Luke is presenting an argument either way, because I think Luke also, of any Jedi in the galaxy, understands what it would be like to be with the person you care about most, to be with your father figure. So I think Luke is a really good mentor for Grogu. And that's coming from Dave Filoni, his thoughts on this scene. So I just want to start by asking you two, uh, gentlemen, what your interpretation of the scene was, how you felt when you first saw it, and Chaco, let's start with you. Um, yeah, so my, my first thought when uh, when the scene dropped is, um, I mean, I, I thought I, I thought Grogu was going to choose a lightsaber. I thought he was going to train personally, but um, it didn't bother me at all. I, I know that there was some discussion on you know Twitter and other places that oh no, he's like forcing the the dogma of the jedi you know down grogu's throat like no he's he he he's 50 years old he's giving him a choice <laughs> um <laughs> i i kind of that's where i went with it is i thought it was a loving thing to do to give him a choice of what he wants to do and where he wants to go it actually um also evoked uh the memories of the episode previously the jedi you know, when Ahsoka is looking at him and she, Ahsoka wouldn't train him. Uh, Ahsoka said, you know, she's seen, Ahsoka didn't think he should be trained because of his attachment. And she's seen what it can do to the best of them. And I think that's an important line that I think we kind of gloss over. Um, I, I, I actually think that Ahsoka is probably considering herself a Jedi again. And a lot of the apprehension is a realization that a lot of what they said was right. You know, Anakin's action, um, her seeing her master as Darth Vader proved that a lot of the stuff that she thought was holding her back was actually a protection. Um, and I, I, I think that that's the, the core of what Luke was doing is he's offering him a choice you know, to follow his heart because not everyone, like one of the biggest complaints I hear people say is that the Jedi take kids too young and they can't form attachments. Um, this isn't that case. He's giving him the choice. I, li I like the example you brought up with Ahsoka too, who I'm actually going to mention a little later in our discussion. So thanks for bringing that up. Josh, uh, what did you think about the scene when you first saw it? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in some ways in the opposite camp on this uh, i i feel like he wasn't giving grogu a choice he was giving him an ultimatum um and and i don't i mean yes i, I understand it's the jedi way but the jedi fell um and it's not just because they 
were sucked into what happened with Anakin and, and his attachments. Um, I mean, attachments exist throughout it. I mean, yes, they take them young, but are you going to tell me a Padawan doesn't have an attachment to his master? Um, so I, I just, I feel like by Luke doing this, all he's doing is perpetuating the same code of failure. Um, the, the reality of it is, is, you know, much like he states in the last Jedi, uh, the, 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 the Jedi need to end. Um, and it, you know, they, they, in order to find true balance, it needs to be somewhere in between. Um, there can't be light and dark. There has to be, you know, gray basically. Um, and I feel like Luke is just, I mean, he, he's trying to keep Grogu from having attachments, but wasn't it his attachment to his father that saved Darth Vader? Um, you know, that saved Anakin that, that defeated Palpatine or for a little while anyway. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I find that to be um, almost hypocritical for them to say that attachment is wrong um, when it kind of is at the core, much kind of like Anakin's tried to explain to Padme, it's kind of at the core of their teachings um, and of their existence as Jedi. Um, they're attached to the Force. Um, so it's all about attachment, in my opinion. And I think that Luke doing this, like I said, is, is an ultimatum and it's not fair to Grogu um, and it's not the path that needs to go forward. Um, and this, frankly, is probably why his his uh, school ultimately failed. Uh, Josh, I'm really glad you mentioned some of some of those things because you know it it leads me into something I wanted to mention about Luke Skywalker, which kind of also ties into the Obi Wan Kenobi series a little bit, and that is Luke's mindset as far as his the continuity through the original trilogy the Mandalorian time period, and then the sequel trilogy. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. The The thing I wanted to bring up was his mindset. There's a there's fixed growth mindset, and I'm sorry, there's fixed mindset, and then there's growth mindset. And when it comes to Luke Skywalker at this point, we can look at the quote from Dave Filoni, where he mentioned, you know, it was, it was more of kind of like a test for Grogu, or it was an actual ultimatum. I do think... And I remember when this episode dropped, it was like it ended on that cliffhanger. Remember, everyone was talking about, is he going to go this route or is he going to go that route? It was, it was a great episode of Star Wars for that reason. But for me, I thought initially it was just a test for Grogu. I thought it wasn't going to lead into him actually making an ultimatum like that where, oh, if you take this chainmail, I'm never going to train you again. Initially, I was like, oh, this is just a test. And he... Not like a, a test where if he takes one or the other, he can't have its, its opposing item. So I thought, and then when the episode actually dropped the next week, and he chose the chainmail, went back with Mando, uh, I felt a little bit differently. And it, it's weird how that changed from just, you know, only a couple minutes time passing off screen. So I'm kind of more along the lines of Josh, what you're, what you're saying, where... Now, at this point, I feel like Luke has changed his mindset from how he was in the original trilogy. Because, yeah, I think you're right. The thing that helped him defeat Darth Vader was his attachment to his Leia, Han, even C-3PO and R2-D2. Not in a way that was extremely uh, too passionate, which we'll talk about with like the Jedi Code and stuff like that. But it, it was a healthy attachment, I think. But now I feel like he may have taken it a little too far. Any thoughts on that, guys? 
I think that he's taking it. I think he's taking it too far at this point. I, I think he's gone in a direction that just seems kind of out of character for him to me. And do you think that's congruent with how he shows up in The Last Jedi? I think so. Or I think that how he is in The Last Jedi is somewhat a result of it. Oh, okay. Chaka, what do you think? Well, I, I think I think there is... Um, uh, how, how do I put it? Uh, there isn't something excellent that one of the members of the story group um, had had said, uh, and it was specifically on the High Republic show. Because you know, if you read the High Republic books, you know, you you've, there's this is a topic that comes up quite a bit as was well attachment, and it also works pretty well with everything that you know George has has said before, because we know certain things like you know George has said that um, the Jedi a were never meant to be celibate <laughs> for for one thing um, he's he said that um, uh, specifically you're allowed to love but you're not allowed to possess someone so I think that we can get off track if we don't truly define what attachment is uh, and so attachment isn't caring for another person isn't loving um, the other person and isn't trying to be there for them. Obviously, you know, masters and Padawans have a connection in season six of the Clone Wars. Um, through the Force, Dooku is still linked to Yoda, and they use that to invoke that whole Sith um, ceremony thing, or you know, whatever. So yeah, they're still very much you know connected, right? Uh, we see that in Kenobi as well. So on both sides, yes, they're connected, but the attachment portion is the inability to let go. Um, Obi-Wan cares for Satine very deeply and would have left the order for her had, had she asked. Um, when Satine dies, Obi-Wan is able to let her go rather than murder everyone and turn evil because he was trying to get her back because he couldn't let her go. Uh, and so I think that's... Um, I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, and I, and I wish I can, I could find this. If I find it, I'll send you guys a link. But um, one of the members of the story group talks about attachments and saying that, um, you know, it can mean different things to different people. And you can look at a negative attachment. Um, and this, this analogy part is mine. Um, almost as if it's like alcoholism, Right. If you're trying to avoid alcoholism, it doesn't mean you have to avoid alcohol. But for mm. some reason, for some people, it is no drinks at all. For some people, it's if there's a drink in this room, I won't be in this room. For some people, it's I'm going to have a couple of drinks, you know? Um, uh, I love that guns. analogy. Yeah. It's a good uh, yeah. But only the Sith the, deal in absolutes. Just, you know, just saying. There you go. Exactly, exactly. And so when it comes to, you know, Luke and his mindset here, I don't believe and this is this is speculation, but we see both um Ahsoka and Luke looking at Grogu training, understanding he's he's just missing his his dad. You know, he's doing stuff he's like he he just really misses him. And I think what I felt that Luke it wasn't so much an ultimatum, but it was giving him permission to leave not nah, he's stuck in this forever now 
um, because someone else made a choice. He's given him permission to leave. Like if this was just out of the blue, hey, do this or do that, that'd <laughs> yeah. be one thing. If if Grogu's heart was in the training and like I'm going to be the greatest Jedi of all time, I also don't foresee him even offering the choice. You know. Um, and we've know. also I, seen Grogu is more powerful when he's with Mandalorian because he has that attachment uh, next to him, pretty much. Like we seem to take on the Rancor and lift the, uh, I forgot the name, the rhinoceros thing. Uh, so we've seen him be a little bit more accessible to the Force when he's with his daddy. That's a good reference. Yeah, he stopped that whole fireball and, thing. <laughs> oh, right. Season. He pulled, yes. And I, I'm also glad you mentioned Obi-Wan because I was going to bring that up too. Um, because you were, you were kind of talking on the balance of health, pretty much jumping on healthy attachments versus abusive attachments and i think obi-wan is a great example of that not just with satine but also in the new series uh, because it showed you know the first what three maybe half episodes he he was completely removed himself from using the force and he really didn't only use it until leia was in absolute danger and we see we saw that continue to go on uh, through the series when he most use the force was when the people he was in charge of, you know, protecting Leia Luke were actually in dire trouble. And he went, even went as far as to let other Jedi die, which it wasn't his responsibility, but he didn't decide it was necessary to use the force at that time. And so this kind of relates a little bit too, because that healthy attachment was just to use the force when it was absolutely necessary. At least that's how I interpreted it. And, you know, like the I love the example you brought up too with Obi Wan and Satine, because I often forget about that. I don't know why it's such a great story, and yeah, how he would have left the order if she had asked. And it's just interesting to think about. I don't know, Josh. Do you think of Obi Wan at all when it comes to attachments, his love for Anakin at all, or any other examples? You no, absolutely. Of? I mean, I think his attachments go back further than that. I think his attachment to Qui Gon is why we ended up in this mess to begin with. Yeah, great um, point. I mean, you know, when Qui-Gon first presented Anakin to the to the council, they said, no, you can't teach him. We're not okay with this. And Obi-Wan urged him to go along with the council um, and told him, yeah, they're right. They know better than we do. Um, and Qui-Gon insisted. And then his dying wish was that Obi-Wan train Anakin. And due to that attachment to Qui-Gon, what did he do? He trained Anakin. And due to the manipulation of Palpatine, he ultimately failed and the galaxy suffered for it. This is kind of off topic, but can I ask you guys your opinion on the spoilers for Obi-Wan? If for some reason, any star Wars fan out there hasn't watched it yet, the finale, <laughs> what is your opinion on the reveal of Qui-Gon Jinn in the final episode, specifically when he says to Obi-Wan, you weren't ready to see me yet. I don't think I've gotten a chance to talk to either of you about that specifically. Uh, Chaco, when, when that scene came up, what, what were you thinking? What was, the, what was the big lesson he had to overcome? What was, what was valid enough, a strong enough reason for Qui-Gon to appear at that moment rather than any other? And how did that hit you? Uh, man, it hit me hard because it took me straight back to, to the fans. You know, Qui-Gon's, while they're, you know, on the uh, Luke or Hulker, like uh, having a conversation, and then he says, You know, 
be mindful of the present, right? He's asking him to focus on the living force, you know, but, but Master Yoda tells us to, you know, look into the future or prepare for the future. He's like, but not at the expense of the moment. The end of Obi-Wan, he is, or at the beginning, he's arguing with Owen, the boy must be trained. By the end, he realizes we're going to let, we're going to put this in the Force's hands. And when he's ready, um, when the time comes, you know, the Force will connect us and, and we'll do the thing. You know, and I think that was the big lesson that he had to to learn is it's more reliance on the force than it is on himself or, or anything or the length of training that Luke was going to have or anything like that. It's just trusting in the force. And I also it also reminds me of uh, Rebels. Now, Yoda wasn't dead, <laughs> but um, when Ezra first goes into the temple in Lothal, he can hear Yoda's voice, but he can't see him. Second time he can see him, Yoda mentions, you know, it's because his his connection in the Force is, is strengthening. Uh, and I believe this is somewhat on the similar line. But now Good it makes point, me wonder... I kind of thought of that too. <laughs> now it just makes me wonder, what was Qui-Gon there for? That, <laughs> that uh, was, was Qui-Gon there when Anakin was like flirting with Padme? Like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Just a fly on the wall, just watching all of it. <laughs> well, he was there when Anakin you know, sl- slaughtered the uh, the Tuscans. We hear his voice say, "Anakin, no." So I'm I'm wondering, like, where where else was he? He was just like chilling with his little the umbrella and like that <laughs> that picture of him. Josh, before I go to you, I I just want to say when on that when that scene happened in Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, I, of course, was jumping out of my seat because Liam Neeson is back on screen. Oh, my God. It was great. Um, and I, I, I don't know what it was, but when he said the words, you weren't ready to see me yet, that just kind of it stopped me in, in the moment. And I, was, I just thought back on the entire series. And I was like, okay, what was, what was this, this lesson, this, this thing he had to overcome? And ultimately, all I could think of was... Obi-Wan through the Kenobi series was ultimately coming to terms. And this is just my, my perspective on it. He was just trying to come to terms with the fact that he is not responsible for Darth Vader coming into existence or the fall of Anakin. And it comes from that moment on the final duel when they, when he was just like, I'm sorry, Anakin. And then Vader says, you're not responsible. I killed Anakin Skywalker. You know, this is what I made myself pretty much. And then Obi-Wan is just like, oh, okay, well, then my friend's truly dead. And that for me was the moment that was made it so that he could finally commune with his master. There was this one thing in his mind he just couldn't overcome. But still, I just don't feel like it was a strong enough reason to impact him to show up at the very end as a horse goes. It just, it felt a little off for me. And I don't know, Josh, what were, what were your thoughts on that scene? Um, well, I, to me, I, I really liked it. Uh, I thought that it was perfect. I didn't want him to show up in this moment where Obi-Wan just absolutely needed him. Um, I didn't want him to ultimately be the one that saved Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan needed to learn how to save himself. Um, and I think in the end, this was, was Qui-Gon finally well i guess it was obi-wan finally learning the lesson that qui-gon was trying to teach him at the very very beginning of the phantom menace um he told him to be mindful of the living force 
you know, pay attention to what's going on around you. Like Chaco was saying, you know, he, in the end, he, he realized that he needs to let the force decide and he doesn't need to force training on Luke or anything else. Let the boy be a boy and what happens will happen. Um, and again, like, I think that was the lesson that he's been trying to teach him this entire time. He's failed to learn it. And this was kind of coming full circle to that. And now it's time for Obi-Wan to journey to the next, the next level, so to speak. And Qui-Gon's there to, to take him down that path. I, so I, this is I really I like how having... you put that. Oh, I just really like how you put it because I had like this debate going um, on whether or not Qui-Gon was going to show up before the duel or after the duel. If he's going to show up in a low place and give him the courage to fight back or if it's going to be he finds courage. In. And just like you said, I think what happened is a lot better than him showing up before. He leveled yeah. up himself and it's almost like Pokemon, like, <laughs> like he's he's evolving into Alec Guinness, um, mm -hmm. and it's going to learn a few new moves. It's his final form. <laughs> this is why I love having a podcast and getting to talk with other other people because they're different, obviously different perspectives and looks on the thing, and it actually helps heighten my experience myself because I, you know, feel a little bit differently about situations. So for all of you on TikTok who are commenting on my videos. And just saying that I hate everything. Screw you. Have an actual conversation with me. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're kind of moving into. Um, we've mentioned how the Jedi, how the Jedi Council have viewed attachments, and I want to read uh, a little excerpt from the the Jedi Code, specifically the just the mantra, uh, the opening mantra, and that is: "There is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity." There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. And all of this kind of ties into what we're talking about. And you can take from this the Jedi code, the Jedi order. According to this, the, the, full, the full entire uh, package of it, they consider each other Jedi in the council or the, um, the temple as their family. Uh, sometimes they were even related by actual blood, too. And it dives into the fact that, like Chaka was saying, masters develop a very strong bond with their apprentices and the other way around, too. They are actually encouraged to have a really strong connection. And we've seen it in some of the Clone Wars episodes, how you know they're even still attached to each other in some ways, even if some have turned to the bad side, to the dark side. And... It also tells us that the Jedi didn't actually prohibit personal relationships because they were considered to be natural and a natural thing. And it kind of reminds me of the Star Trek Spock um, approach to the logical side of life, where they actually just didn't want people to get too attached to one thing or one item, one person. They could still have a healthy attachment, but when it comes to the needs of the many always outweigh the needs of the few. And I think that's what the message was strongly focused on. And this brings me to a quote from Master Jedi Yoda. He says, and this is from Attack of the Clones, possession is forbidden, attachment is forbidden, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. So not to completely do away with it, and one more quote. This is from Shmi, the most underrated mama in Star Wars. And this is from the Phantom Menace. When, he's, when she's talking to Anakin, 
as he's about to go off, he was just freed. And she says, it's time for you to let go. You can't stop change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. So all of this kind of ties into the, the main point of attachments. And one more quote I want to read is from George Lucas. And it's his view on Anakin, the prequels, how the Jedi are trained. If I can just find my George Lucas photo, here we go. Okay, he says, <laughs> the core of Anakin's problem is that the Jedi are raised from birth so that they can learn to let go of everything. They're trained more than anything else to understand the transition, transitional nature of life, that things are constantly changing and you can't hold on to anything. You can love things, but you can't be attached to them. You must be willing to let the flow of life and the flow of the force move through your life, move through you, so that you can be compassionate and loving and caring, but not possessive and grabbing and holding on to the things and trying to keep things that are the way that they are. And that's from George Lucas, a quote from the uh, Star Wars archives, which is a great book. You guys should check it out. There's, there's two versions now. There's the, the older one, uh, the original trilogy, and the newer right one with the prequels. Here. <laughs> oh, you do? Big old, big old hefty boy. Yep. The big red one, the giant yep. one. Ah, my girlfriend got me that for uh, my birthday this year, and it was. I picked up the box, and I was like, "What is it? It's like five hundred pounds." <laughs> yes, look at that. It's uh, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great book if anyone wants to check it out. So all of this kind of ties into the theme of selfishness versus selflessness and uh, what we've all been kind of talking about that attachments can be healthy as long as they're not possessive or greedy or for the sake of uh, achieving something or doing something else just for the sake of compassion. So based off the quote I read for you guys and uh, the, the time period of the, uh, the Republic era and the prequels and also High Republic, uh, since Chaco, I know you read those books and stuff, which I know nothing about. I would love to learn more. So based off what I've talked about here, you guys have any thoughts on uh, those quotes and things like that? Josh, let's start with you. Well, I mean, I think that they kind of illustrate what we've been saying, that the uh, attachments are, are okay. Um, it's may become a driving force for you when they consume you. Um, that you cross the line and that's it's it's about balance um, there's you can't go one extreme or the other you can drink too much water or drink too little water and it could it could kill you um, you got to have just enough you know um, so I really do think that the dogma says that it's okay um, but you know when it consumes you then it leads to the bad things and and uh, I think that that's the lesson that Anakin failed to learn um and uh again i I do think that these things very much support what we've been saying i love all these analogies we're getting into the alcoholism the too much water (laughs) what else where else can we go to figure out some more chaco i want to know your thoughts but if you can think of any other examples from the high republic even though i may not know the stories i would love to know more about their view if you could enlighten us please oh yeah i mean it's it's actually a really big portion of of the high republic there's one character who um basically before they were knighted they they fell in love and uh was struggling with that ended up leaving 
um, leaving to be with the person and spent, you know, a long period of time with them. And then they ended up breaking up. Person got a job. They were doing their own thing. Um, and then one day found like a force sensitive kid and, and bringing the kid back realized they, they wanted to return back as well. And then Yoda was like, well, you've passed your trial, you know, like, uh, cause, and that was Yoda's thing. Yoda talks about how difficult it is for him to let go of his student, to let his student go out and do whatever and, you know, force be willing, they, they come back. I thought that was interesting. But I think um, a, a more, like, direct one-to-one is, uh, there's a, it's a middle-grade book. It's called uh, Race to Crash Point Tower. And in it, one of the, these characters who is, um, her name is Lula Talasola, um, uh, reaches out to someone else and says that, you know, she's afraid because she's feels like she's a ball of attachments. You know, she's attached to all these other people, to her masters, to all of her friends. Like, what what is she supposed to do? And so her friend asks her questions like, okay, if they were, um, if they were in trouble, would you do anything you took to save them? And she's like, yes, absolutely. And she asks her, well, what if they were strangers that were in trouble? Would you do everything you can to save them? And she's like, well, yes, I would. You know, that's that's what being a Jedi is all about. Then the third question was, what if saving them and keeping them safe meant you could never see them again? Would you still do it? She said, yes, I would. Like, well, then that's not an attachment because you're able to let them go. And ultimately, the core of what happened with Anakin, he wasn't trying to save Padme for Padme's sake. He was trying to save Padme because he couldn't live without her. Um, and that's exactly. that's the biggest difference. Um, another recent book uh, by Mike Chan, Brotherhood. I, I apologize if I'm talking too much. Um, no, but no, please. The way, excellent book if you love the Clone Wars. Also, Mike Chan, you can tell he's a huge Legends fan. So he's like throwing little nuggets in there, like. Casually mentions Mace Windu uh, fighting B2 battle droids on Dantooine and stuff like that. And you're like, I see what you did there, Mike Chen. But anyway, he explains it as um, Anakin is at the beginning, you know, uh, at the beginning of the war. All of these things help each other. So he believes he can do all of them. So he loves Padme. Well, if he does his Jedi stuff in the war, then there's less fighting, and that ultimately benefits Padme, which also benefits Palpatine, the Chancellor, and the Republic, and the Jedi. All of these things are in one line. And so he spends you know, the whole beginning of the war being able to feel like he could be fully devoted to the Force and to Padme and to the Jedi and all these things. But what happens when they start like heading off in slightly different directions? You cannot... You know, uh, um, Ron Swanson says, you know, you can't whole ass, uh, you can't half ass two things. You have to whole ass one thing. And yeah, that's ultimately where he failed. And I, I, just going off your Anakin analogy with, with Padme, you know, we, we kind of saw a little bit of a extension of that in the 
I think one of the last scenes of him in Obi-Wan Kenobi when he's talking to the Emperor and he, you know, he's like, I, I gotta go get Obi-Wan. He's still out there. Oh. And um, the Emperor is just like, dude, you're too attached. Like it, it goes both ways. He's, he's still evil, but it's that, it's that attachment to wanting to get back at Obi-Wan Kenobi, it, whether it's, whether it's still through love in some way, or if it's just through, I, I need to, avenge myself he blames him for padme blames him for everything all this kind of stuff it's it's an it's an interesting how it can go both ways and so i want to circle back real quick because we're coming close to our time here um with going back to the book of boba fett and grogu or the mandalorian so obviously grogu's coming back in mando season three and i want to just speculate a little bit on you know based off the experience he had with luke and where the story of Mando is going, what do we think the future is for Grogu as far as his his future Jedi training possibility, or just in general, where what we think is going to happen to Grogu? I'll tell you one thing I, I would like to see is more expansion on the race that he is, where he comes from. I know some people really don't want to get into that, but when uh, season one happened, and the armorer told Din, you have to go bring this little youngling back to his people. I assumed first that it was, oh, the species. Find out where this species is from, others of his kind. But she was actually meaning the Jedi. So I would like to see maybe a little bit more of that. Well, I don't want to get too, too much into it. But as far as like his you know, force capabilities and things like that. I I think Luke is going to come back and help him out a little bit more. Um, maybe even Ahsoka. I would definitely like to see him train. I think all of us want to see that little baby in some Jedi robes wielding a lightsaber. I think it would be adorable. Um, but what about you guys? Josh, let's start with you. What do you think Grogu's future is? I think Grogu's future is huge for the franchise on the whole because, I mean, he's got so much longevity in his species. Um, so he can, they could skip ahead hundreds of years in the timeline and tell an all new story with all new characters, but still have him central and him still be in his prime. Um, so I don't know that he's uh, really going to circle back around to the Jedi necessarily. I, you know, Luke may pop up down the road and, help him at some point, but I don't think he'll ever go back to the temple. Um, otherwise, he would end up dead with all the rest of the students. Um, and I, I do think that he's going to continue down the path of the foundling, and I think he's going to slowly build that Beskar armor, and he's going to become a Mandalorian of sorts. And who knows, he may even be the one that captures the Darksaber in the end and rules Mandalore. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. That would be happens. amazing. I just that want to see him with the helmet and everything with his little ears sticking out. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. I like how you mentioned, too, like the longevity of his, his species or whatever, but also like he's not going anywhere. He makes Disney so much money, so they're going to want to use him as much <laughs> as they yeah, can. I, I, I think too. they're using him right now to fill in the space between Jedi and the sequel trilogy, and then I think they're going to use him as a springing point for something that's much further down the road that is completely new, so they're not you know, reliant on any sort of legacy characters or anything like that. So I, yeah, I think yeah, he's going to be kind of the future for star Wars. And there's so much you could do with him with, with the yeah. fact that he's, you know, only 50 and he's got what, 800 more years to go. Like he's, he could show up after the sequel era, all this kind of stuff. You know, this guy could 
he could never leave Star Wars. He could become a <laughs> essential part, ultimately becoming a legacy character. I can see that happening. Chaco, how about you? I, I mean, I'm in, in the same in the same camp. Um, it, it's a genius character to toss out there because he can go with Din. He can he can train uh, as a Mandalorian. He can build his best car armor. He can help them rebuild Mandalore. Uh, he can spend the next 300 years becoming the best Mandalorian he can. And then he can still go start to train to be a Jedi and be a Jedi for the next 500 years. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. But that's, that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see him spending more time in just understanding the role of because uh, one thing I find interesting about Mandalorians in general is that the way that their culture is, is it's almost a blend between the cultures of the Jedi and the Sith together, where it's a great value on strength and the ability to fight and, and aggression, but also on uh, unity and camaraderie um, and the companionship. Uh, so I, I think it's it's fascinating that we could potentially explore that in the future and hopefully he much like Ahsoka is to Luke, he can you know join Ray in her future Jedi Academy as a guest lecturer or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, there's so much. Provided he talks normal. <laughs> <laughs> and for any of the listeners on YouTube or podcast in the comments section, tell us where you think Grogu's future is and any thoughts you have on attachments. I have one final question for my panel here, and. Um, it's about John Williams. Uh, last week, I released my John Williams ranking episode talking about his major themes in Star Wars. If you guys want to go check that out, I'll be doing a video version later, but right now it's on the podcast. And I get into a little bit of the music theory. For those of you that don't know, I'm a musician, so this was a really special episode for me. And it was a celebrated... We did this episode because, of course, he announced his retirement. He just turned 90 years old. and He's not going anywhere for music, but... He announced retirement from film scores with Indiana Jones 5. So check out that episode. And for my panel here, I want to know what your favorite John Williams piece is in the Star Wars universe. Chaco, what is yours? I, okay, this is it a hard question. It, this gives me life. It is the asteroid theme. Um, and I, I know for most people it's, it should be like, you know, a specific character's theme, but like the frenetic like nature of the asteroid theme of like sometimes you're soaring, it feels like you're soaring over big vistas and then it gets really tight and then you have the Empire, you know, themes coming up because they're chasing you and the way that that theme plays with your emotions um i think is just is beautiful it, it makes me feel not one emotion like most of the tracks do um it makes me feel 10 you know throughout the entire thing and i i remember exactly what parts of each of the scene happens uh, at each moment of the song i love that yeah the, the dynamics of it how it can it can go fast it can go slow you can get emotional you can get you know brought down it, it's yeah i see what you're saying and kind of all his pieces embody that too josh do you have a favorite john williams piece yeah, binary sunset um i absolutely love that piece uh it just you know you've got a little bit of leia's theme a little bit of luke's um and and it just 
the blending of it to me it's the it's the heart of star wars um it, there's just so much emotion within it um it brings me to tears every time i hear it i see those suns setting and um and it's just it's what it's all about for me so yeah I did love you know that, that that actually was not the original music that was going to be played at that scene it was actually really? a much darker uh score and more foreboding uh piece that was going to be played there because of the death of owen and baru um it wasn't until after they recorded it they watched it back and lucas and john williams were like you know what doesn't work this has to be this has to be <laughs> uplifting this has to be motivating yeah. we can't just yeah. we can't go too dark and if you guys want to know more go check out my podcast on the ranking of john williams uh music a lot of fun facts in there so that is our show today guys we could have gone on but we you know have other things to do today i'm sure these guys do as well but thank you guys so much for being here and giving your thoughts i thought you brought some great uh points to the conversation and maybe we can pick up again some other time and go even further but for right now uh Chaco, let's start with you where can people find you the high ground podcast and anything else you want to promote yeah, so I'm Darth Chaco on YouTube, Darth Chaco on TikTok, um, Darth Chaco 7 on Twitter, but Twitter is a terrible, terrible place. Uh, where <laughs> dreams die. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> I also have uh, the High Ground podcast, uh, which is every Wednesday at uh, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, where I invite just different people on i try to have like at least four people on and we just talk star wars but i also have um the diet in the force podcast which is saturdays at 5 p.m with uh, my great friend element seven and that's more topical stuff um but uh yeah come check us out on either we would be honored if you would join us i i really enjoy your uh the high ground of course but also yeah the dyad uh you guys should check that out too uh you know you guys you guys talk about other things too you were you know talking about um some marvel stuff last time i checked in too so it, it's a bunch of stuff but yeah great stuff i'll link it down below for you guys to check out and josh where can people find you in this world well i exist in the place uh where dreams and hopes die, you know, in, on Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sith Care Bear. I'm also on Instagram, Sith Care Bear. I'm also Sith Care Bear on Discord um, and Twitch. Um, and uh, I don't really necessarily produce my own content, but I'm on other people's stuff all the time. Um, I'm doing a weekly show right now with Tim's Talk, talking about the boys. Um, and actually, last night I did the first live stream of a, a spinoff of the Scarif a scuttlebutt podcast called Scarif After Dark um, with nice. the, uh, one of the co-hosts of that channel, uh, Shanti. She's, she's doing her own thing. This is her new, her new channel. It's Scarif After Dark on YouTube. Um, we did the first episode. It focuses on kind of the, the sexy side of nerddom. Um, and uh, we, we talked about the relationship between Batman and Catwoman and um, why that's so awesome. I'll just leave it at that. It gets a little racy, but uh, it's it's a good show. So check it out. I think we all know what you're talking about. So this uh, this episode was he obviously absolutely brought does. to you today. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was obviously brought to you today by Twitter. We love it so much. Kidding. Uh, but yeah, that was the that was the show for today, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Come back again next week for some more content and check out myself on anywhere Han Talks First is found. All podcast mediums. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. And now somehow, some way, somewhere this week, 
May the force be with you.